You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. We know that you are here. So Lord, I receive grace to teach and preach. That your words will come forth in simplicity and with accuracy. That, Lord, everyone here will hear you for themselves, Lord. We would all hear you for, your, for ourselves. That your word will do a work, a transforming work inside us. The fruits will be evident on the outside. And that more importantly, it will do an eternal work in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much, band. God bless you guys. Okay. Would you kindly just um, smile to your neighbor or smile at your neighbor? Welcome them in church. Good morning, church. Good morning, neighbor. It's nice to be sitting by you this morning. Please let's appreciate Modupe for that wonderful God experience. Thank you so much, Modupe, for sharing your life, your life's journey in God with us this morning. I pray that he would perfect the good work that he has begun in you in Jesus' name. Yeah, so P.I. and P.O. are unavoidably absent at service this morning, but they send their love and their warmest regards. Uh, let's get right into it. So last week, P.I. Um, shared with us something very a message very fantastic and very refreshing called The Judgment Day, and I would just like to take some points from it and just rem remind us. Um, we established the following last week. One, that our Christian walk is a very legal expedition, as explained by Paul in the book of Romans, and that the ignorance of the legal part of our Christian experience does not um, excuse us from its effects, so we cannot claim that we do not know is the reason why we will keep... Um, suffering in a certain way so we stay under the shadow of i am not aware that um, i have these privileges and these rights you cannot outrun god's mercy and love he also challenged us to allow god be the one who is the judge of our hearts instead of allowing our negative emotions consistently you know rule and drive the thoughts of our hearts God needs our hearts to be on our side, and we need to introduce our hearts to him. Negative thoughts do not come from God. We need to learn how not to mentally cooperate with the devil in our emotions and in our minds. And the testimony of the blood and the Holy Spirit are in our favor. So every time the blood is speaking, it is speaking in our favor. It is speaking health in, in place of sick, sickness. It is speaking life in place of death. Every time the Holy Spirit speaks, he speaks in our favor, speaks to do us good, speaks to transform us, speaks to help us become better in our walk with God and in our walk with one another. There is the liberating judgment of God, which is found in Christ Jesus. So just building up um, from all of those thoughts from last week, Today we will be discussing the Father's love. And I'd like for you to just quickly turn to the person sitting by you and just ask, who's your daddy? <laughs> who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Okay, so did you, no, for you, you should get an answer. Did you get interesting answers like uh, Lieutenant 
colonel or general or high chief. My father-in-law is a, what's, it, what's that his title again? Some thing, 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 thing in Owo. So he's like a double high chief. I mean, like, I hear people call him double high chief. I'm like, gosh, so when they give this man another chief this, uh, title, it becomes what? Triple high chief. Anyway, so we, our fathers have very fancy titles, doctors, professors, and all of that. But who's your daddy, really? I need us to think about that as we go along. Who's your daddy? So one of the ways the enemy fights us is by making us question the love of the father. This has been an ongoing battle from the foundations of the world. From the time the Garden of Eden existed, from the time Adam and Eve were created, that has been the devil's mission to constantly pose questions at us that make us question the love of the father, make us question his instructions because the way to obey him um, or to truly obey him, you do, you should be in love with him because otherwise his instructions will be of no effect to you. They wouldn't mean anything to you. And that was what he did with um, Eve when he began to question her, you know, and got her thinking in a certain um, direction, you know. So he constantly is fighting us and making us question the love of the Father, the quality of that love, the measure of that love, the worth of that love. Your experience or not of fatherhood may have left you very hurt, may have even left you very bitter. You sought acceptance and affirmation, but instead you probably got rejection. Now I'm referring to the relationship that may have existed between you and your earthly father or your um, earthly father figure. Where you thought you'd be safe and protected, maybe you got let down or even taken advantage of. Is there someone here today who may have even wanted more from that father-daughter or father-son relationship and barely got enough because maybe your father was hardly ever there he probably was very busy trying to make a living. I mean, in a good way to ensure that you got a better life or lived well. But for you, you felt the important things were left to chance. But I'm here today to remind you that God is not like our earthly fathers. And what, what, what we do sometimes is that we put God in a mold. We approach him, we relate with him with an understanding or the mindset of how we relate with our earthly fathers. But I need for us to understand that God is more. He's more than our earthly father. We ask questions like, but if God truly loves me, why can't I get a job after having waited for so long? I have served. I have two master's degrees from an Ivy League school. Possibly even have a PhD. But I have struggled. I have settled. I have found myself settling. Sometimes we say, why do I have to get so heartbroken every time? Am I the only one? Are they doing me? There's some parts of Modupe's um, God experience where she spoke about having dealt with 
insecurities for so long. And she knew God. She had a relationship with him. But she just found herself, you know, constantly you know, going back and forth. Almost like roaming around the same mountain for so long. We ask questions like, if God really is love. If he is the father that the Bible talks about so grandly and nicely. Why do bad things happen to good people? We keep questioning and asking and wondering what type of father is God? For some of us, it's even hard to understand God as father because maybe we didn't even have a father as it were you grew up with your mom you don't even know who your dad is so when people say God is a father you can't relate because the experience of fatherhood for you is you don't even want to go there so you can accept God as master of the universe you can accept God as they say he's the king of all kings I can relate he's lord he's that person that if you misbehave he can strike you dead as explained in the old testament he can do and undo i remember if a dear friend of mine sharing i got experience here a couple months back and saying that at some point years actually now that she thought god was a set-up god like the way he just arranges your life and then there are several instructions is he setting us up to fail is he setting us up for doom? So as we go along in our Christian walk, or even if you don't even have a Christian walk, but at least there's a mental ascent that God does exist. These and a lot more questions come to mind. This morning I ask, what is the father's what what is the worth of the father's love to you? I want to read from 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. And I'll be reading the Amplified Version. Because as I prepared for this, um, the Holy Spirit took me to the Amplified Version to help understand um, precisely how we, he would have this be communicated. And he says, see what an incredible quality of love the Father has given, has shown, has bestowed on us that we should be permitted to be named and called and counted the children of God, and so we are. When we discuss the worth of the Father's love, we are reminded that it emanates from before we even existed, before there was even a world. But you see, that, that nothingness that was sometimes gets a little hard for us to comprehend which is why we're grateful for the scriptures. We're grateful for the inspiration that some people had to document these things down so that we can read and understand. And as we go in our journey, we can experience him for ourselves and also write our own stories and write our own understanding of his love for us. But throughout the scriptures, one thing is clear, that the Father's love is perfect. His love is not subject to changing moods. It's not subject to economic indices. It's not subject to the price of crude. 
it's not subject to the rate of uh, poverty or socioeconomic indices in the world. It's not subject to how you feel, how you behave. It's not subject to what you do. His love is constant. His love is perfect. His love does not change, regardless of who you are, regardless of what your story is, regardless of where you are coming from. The Father's love is perfect. It does not reduce because you are unfaithful. He doesn't love you less even when you fall and when you make mistakes. Because he knows that you will make mistakes. And he has made provision for your redemption. So it's important that we constantly remind ourselves that the Father's love is perfect. God's love is perfect. So when the enemy tries to abuse our minds and, you know, fill our minds with those negative thoughts. Even when we, by ourselves, as Pierre established last week, sit and think about some of this negativity that we are reminded that regardless of how we feel the father's love is unchanging and what that should do for us is help us readjust help us find our way back to him sin brought a separation and to fix the widening gulf that existed God had to do something drastic he wanted us back for himself and the, the blood of bulls and rams were not cutting it anymore the gospels explain very graphically the crucifixion of Jesus on the cross as a teenager when I started you know engaging the scriptures I began to, I, I have very vivid imagination. So I read my, I try to read my Bible in pictures. I imagine, that's how my own process of meditating. I sit and I imagine and I just paint pictures in my mind. It helps me understand better. And every time I read the story of the crucifixion of Jesus, I try to imagine how the father must have reacted or may Permit me to say may, not must, may have reacted. Because sometimes we seem to read it and we just gloss over the fact that, oh, God said, he said, we quote John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, only begotten son. And we, you know, it's almost like we're just stuck on that part of God loves the world. Yes, he sent his son to die for us. But remember, this is a father-son relationship. So I want you to join me just for a few seconds and let's paint this picture together. The father's reaction when Jesus was on the cross or on the way to the cross and he was being beaten. And he was being pierced. He was, you know, insulted. Insul insults were hurled at him. Spat on. This is the son of God. This is the son of God undergoing all of that treatment. And as he took, I imagine that for every step he took, you know, towards Golgotha and carrying that heavy cross before Simon, you know, helped him out. What was going through the father's mind? 
Of course, he was not unaware because it was all part of the plan. It was agreed. But how do you see your own son be treated as such? How do you see... Let me quickly digress a bit. Remember when Jesus, when, sorry, when God was going to um, destroy Sodom and Gomorrah and he said he couldn't do this without having a conversation with Abraham, his friend. And God had a conversation with Abraham about what he was going to do to Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and Abraham asked, what if they're 50? What if they're 20? What if they're 10? Will you still destroy? He, he engaged God. So I want us to understand that the father is not unapproachable. Abraham had that conversation with God, and God poured out his heart to him. When God was going to destroy the earth during the time of Noah, after he had destroyed it with flood, he swore to Noah that he wouldn't do it again. With, you know, he, he wouldn't destroy the world or the earth with flood. That shows you the type of father that we have. At some point in time in, in Genesis, he said, the Bible says that his heart was grieved that he had created man. God has emotions. So imagine when Jesus was on his way to the cross and he, he, the father looking down and seeing his son being so badly treated. And with the understanding that the people that he is going to the cross for are the same people maltreating him or mistreating him. And then on the cross, as Jesus was whipped, as he was being nailed. And then at that point when Bible records that it was three o'clock in the afternoon and there was darkness. There was darkness. What was going on in heaven at that time? What were the angel armies up to? In my imagination, this is not in the Bible, but in my imagination, I, I, I felt like Gabriel would have been saying to God, let's show them. Let, just allow me. Only me. We don't need the army. Just me. Let me go and take care of these people. Don't they know who he is? And God would have been saying, calm down. This is part of the plan. But for every whip, for every piercing, for every insult. You don't have to be a father or a mother here. If you see a child around you, maybe in a marketplace, being wrongly treated, I'm sure you will not just take your, you know, just look and like, that's normal. It's not a big deal. Something will move on the inside of you. So imagine that God seeing all that Imagine that he, and then when Jesus Christ cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I felt like the father's heart probably broke a bit at that point. I felt like he may have just wanted to stretch out his mighty hand and just, maybe to blind them or to just, you know, stop what was going on but he would have retracted that hand because of you, because of me. He looked ahead and said, no, this is necessary. This is necessary. This is important. It is important 
that my son dies. It is important that I pay this ultimate sacrifice because he had looked ahead and he had seen you and I. It cost the father something that day. Actually, it cost him someone. It cost him everything that he had. But he did it because of you. He did it because of me. He did it because his love is unfailing from time immemorial. And he needed for it to stay that way. Bible says while we were yet sinners, Christ died. He didn't do it because he knew that, oh, you, you were good, you were all right, you were upright, you were holy. No. While we were yet sinners, in our state of sin, Jesus died. He died so that we can be redeemed. He died so that we can be reconciled back to the Father. He died so that his original intention of that father-child relationship will not be prevented by sin. The devil thought he scored that day. He thought he, you know, he thought he hit it big. But if only he knew. If only he knew. The father's love never fails. His word is his bond. He will show up as promised. Bible says in the book of Numbers 23 verse 19 that God is not man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. God is not an earthly father. How many of you are familiar with that um, DSTV ad? The one of the little girl. Her parents were going out and then she wanted to follow and her father promised, oh, you know it? Anybody know it? Yeah, okay. Every time I watch that ad, I, I'm as in, I'm like, this is, this is a good man. How many people did your, whose parents played that prank on them? Most parents, yeah? It's, it's a prank I vowed never to play on my children. I thought it was just wrong on all fronts. But before you come down, they are gone, you know. God is not like that too. He's not, he's not an earthly father. But you know, I like that one because the man came back and says, oh, of course it's a bank ad, so we keep our word and all of that. But God does keep his word. No matter how long, though it tarries, wait for it. Though it tarries, wait for it. He has spoken to you. He has promised you. He will do it. He will do it because he never fails. The father's love builds up. His love corrects. It disciplines. It resets. It's interesting how that growing up, I mean, I had a, an amazing dad. Hard now, yeah, he's passed. But my father was such a disciplinarian. You, do, you couldn't get away with the slightest wrong, as long as it was brought to his knowledge. You know, and I used to envy some of my friends in school. I just thought they, ah, this was the life. Your parents hardly knew what you got up to. If you like, sleep over in your friend's house. All you need to do is just call and say, you're not coming home. How? In my house. That's, you are dead. Who are you? Who is that friend? So I never slept over 
I never had, I never went for any sleepovers. In fact, I remember the first time I was going to ask my dad, when I summoned the courage to ask my father for, that I wanted to go for a party. I went to a school that we had clubs, a secondary school where we had clubs. It was in a university, you know, and so from like junior secondary, there were already clubs, organizing parties in people's houses. The senior uh, classes would organize parties and clubs. Of course, they would use their older, whatever, to arrange it, their older siblings. But this particular party, in fact, I can never forget the name because it was, it was named after a song, Il Nana. Sorry. You people might not know the song. <laughs> you can't relate. IBK, well done. Anyway, for those who knew Il Nana then, you, you, anyway, forget. Focus. So, this party was, everybody wanted to be there. I got an invite. <sighs> Said this one, I would try. And then I went and told my dad. He looked at the party card and he's like, okay, that's fine. No problem. Eh? No problem. Awesome. So I was very excited. And as I was leaving, he said, I will drop you off and I will wait for you. And I just turned back slowly. I said, but dad, you don't need to wait for me. He said, oh, no, 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 no. You want to? I will, I will take you there and I will wait. I imagine other parents will be there. I said, um, not quite. Eh. How can your friends be organizing parties and their parents are not? There's no, there's, no, there's no parental supervision. It's fine. If you really want to go, I see you are very interested. I will take you and I'll wait for you. That is going to end late. I was thinking, I will say, I have given you, you go, I take you, I wait for you, I bring you home. The next day, I said, Daddy, I'm not going anymore. Why did you change your mind? I just thought about it. I, I, I'm, I'm not going. Because I just thought, how? Who shows up at a party with their father waiting in the car so that he can come and be knocking several times and checking what's going on? You know? So I envied parents. I, mean, I, I envied friends whose parents were very chilled, whose parents would just come and like just give everybody money. My father was not like that too. I remember this particular day I was in school. I mean, school had closed and we're just chilling in front of school. I was in senior secondary day. For some strange reason, I hadn't seen my dad's car. And I did not, I was so engrossed in my gist. Like, we had all closed and we're like in front of school. Boys that were liking you, boys that you were liking, everybody around. And you're just, have, just very all right. And lo and behold... I was talking to a friend, and next night it was a dirty slap from behind. By the time I turned, my father. <laughs> and he begins to yell right there, like, I have been waiting for your school. Maybe like 30 minutes or so, wait, oh. Your, your, you guys closed. I've been in the car. And, uh, you know that kind of slap that everybody just goes quiet around you? Yeah. So, sometimes our expectation of God's love or a manifestation of his love is that he would be all, you know, just pamper us, just, you know, just be all right and be behaving like all these parents I just described now. We don't expect any discipline. When, we di when he disciplines us, we say he's too harsh. When he disciplines us or he corrects us, we forget that he's doing it out of love. We forget that he's doing it for our own good. We think that he's so mean. He's such a set-up God. We can't understand his 
concept of correction or of discipline. But it's interesting because the scripture is saying, Hebrews 12 from verse 6 to 8, I'll read the latter part, that if God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and are not really his children at all. The beginning part says, for the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. He will chastise those he loves. He will discipline those he loves. It is part of the process. Why? Because he wants us better. He wants us perfect. He wants us to grow. He wants us to grow. It's like saying your little child, when you, when you do have kids, you know, when you were a child, you wanted all the candy. And you were upset that your parents would not give you candy. When you have your own child, what about you give them all the candy they want? I was that way. When I started having, I mean, when I had my first child, I just thought, okay, no, no candy. And in my mind, I was remembering my own days where I used to cry for candy and all of that. Because he knows that at the end of the day, or I'm, I'm, I'm aware that at the end of the day, it's not healthy. It's not healthy for your, in any way, your teeth, your health, everything. God also knows what is good for us. Sometimes it is assurance that you want. And you're wondering how come it is only you that have not been assured out of all your friends. But he knows that that assurance will be your undoing when you do get it. So he says to you, wait. I'm building you up. I'm working on you. I'm developing you. So that at a set time, you are fully prepared and able to handle the responsibility that comes with such God needs to reset some of us. He needs to do a reset. Because we have allowed the thinking of the world influence our own thinking and our perception of him. We have become influenced. And we forget what the scriptures say. We forget who God is. Our expectation of God is based off of other people's experiences and not what we know of him necessarily. Yoruba people say you fear that is you're working with someone else's own timeline. Meanwhile, the journey, your journey is different. What God has written concerning you is different. But you see, sometimes we are so lazy to sit and understand, just sit with God and just ask him these questions and just trust him and wait. The process of waiting can be painful. Actually, is painful sometimes because you're wondering, why is it that that person, I think I pray better. I think I serve God more. And, you know, we use, based on our own human understanding to assess the quality of the relationships that other people have in comparison with what we have and we use that as a basis to approach God meanwhile we forget that the scripts of our lives are very different 
which is why he needs to reset us. He needs to discipline us, teach us how to wait, teach us how to trust, and teach us how to keep our eyes on him always. The Father's love is full of grace. It forgives. It takes no account of wrongdoing. This particular one was strongly impressed in my heart. Because a lot of times, there are people here that you're approaching God is dependent on how you fared during the week. Some people will not come to church on a Sunday because they had sex on Saturday. I've heard people say things like, I don't feel good enough for God. But the Father is saying to you today, look, I love you just as you are. I don't need you perfect. If you were perfect, I would not have sacrificed my son. If you were perfect, I will not be chasing after you. I love that song the band always sings, the reckless love. It is reckless. It is reckless. Every time I read the Gospels, I'm reminded that Jesus, oh, oh, well, God is one person who does not function like your typical finance person. How do you leave 99 sheep and go after one? What if something happens to the 99? You have 99. You leave one. It's just one. It's not a bad loss. You cut your losses and you move on. No. The father doesn't work that way. That is not how his love operates. His love is not the way we understand the human love. Or the earthly love. Sometimes you will hear earthly fathers say, or earthly mothers say things like, Look, I have three children. If you, you want to go crazy, go crazy. At least I have two that are all right. How many of you have heard that? For real. If you like, destroy yourself. They are, well, they're using it to get us to behave. But they say it like they mean it. If you like, I cannot come. I did not kill my mother. You will not kill me. So if you like, destroy yourself. I have these two. You see these two? I will invest in them. They will take care of me in my old age. God doesn't roll like that, people. His love is not like that. Is someone grateful for that? His love isn't like that. His love is not like that. And Jesus exemplified it for us. He taught us. He showed it to us using the parable of the prodigal son. In Luke chapter 15, verse 11, from 11 to 24. I'm just going to read some parts of it. I'll jump through. I mean, after this younger son, who obviously thought at some point, which we all do, that we have arrived. I think I'm in a comfortable place now. You've gotten that dream job. You've gotten that boo or bae or whatever. You're all right. You're in a relationship. He has put a ring on it. And then your relationship with God starts to thin out. And it just starts to take it back. You know, you're not as committed as, as you used to be in serving him. The fire on your altar has burnt, has become ash. And you're just like, well, everything is working now. This younger son probably was in that state of mind. Like, look, dad, I'm okay. I can make decisions by myself now. 
So just give me my own portion of the inheritance. I need to go and explore. And he takes a walk. Bible records that not long after, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, squandered his wealth in wild living. And after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country. He began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And when he came to his senses... He said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Two things here. One, that guy, obviously, the way we sometimes process when we have misbehaved. We say we are unworthy. But at least he had a good sense to find his way back. What some of us do sometimes is we stay away because we think we're no longer good enough. I, I remember in those days, who was it? I think it was when we were starting um, um, Life Point Church. We used to have prayer meetings. I think it was, wait, okay, I was going to call his name. I'm not sure it was him now. But I remember one of our friends then saying, ah, those days, we were prepping for God experiences. And it was like those days when I used to do gospel, you know. But he was, I mean, the way he put it, bringing it into this particular analogy now is, you remember those days when you used to be so, so fired up, so in love with God, and you think you're not that anymore, and so you just decide to stay away. But this guy comes back to the father to say to him, I have sinned against you. Um, emphasis on verse 11. Sorry, it's not... Uh Okay, anyway, but while, 29, while, I apologize, 20, verse 20. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But I want us to focus on that part where it says, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. While he, while the son, while the sinner was still a long way off, the father saw him. That says to you that the father is constantly and consistently on the lookout for us to return. He's waiting and he's watching. If he wasn't so, Jesus would not have used this as an example. He wouldn't have told this as a parable. While the son was still a long way off, the father saw him. Not that the son saw the father. The son was on his way home to meet his father. But it was the father that sighted him from a distance. I imagine that for every day that the son was away, the father was on the lookout. And that is how God is on the lookout for those who need to come back home today. He's waiting. He's waiting for you. He's waiting and he's watching. His father was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. While he was still a long way off. That is the worth of the father's love. That is the measure of the father's love. It will seek you out. It is waiting patiently for you. That love is waiting patiently for you. 
God is waiting for you. So I don't know what your experience of fatherhood may have been. I don't know what your experience may have been. But God is not a man. You need to remember that he is not a man. In the Father's love is life. It is an assurance of a hereafter with him in all his glory and his splendor. Where there is no pain, there is no sickness. I was still telling someone this morning that we will be amazed when we get to heaven and we see the people there. We will be very amazed. Because you see, in our human mind, we can like to judge. We can like to criticize. We can like to condemn. But we will be very shocked because if we understand the quality of our Father's love, you will know that his arms are outstretched. His arms are consistently outstretched. And he wants all his children back. He wants all his children back. Regardless of what you did last night. He wants you back. In the Father's love is peace. Not as the world gives. It's not that temporal satisfaction that comes from having achieved your set goals. It's not from the presence or absence of a person or a thing. It's not when you check your list. His peace is deeper. The kind of peace that even when there is turmoil and pain around you. For some time in Life Point Church, we have been praying that God would make our hearts. He would keep our hearts like Goshen. Because Goshen was a place of lights. Goshen was a place of peace. In Egypt, when the Egyptians were experiencing all the plagues and stuff, Goshen was preserved. That is the type of peace that God seeks to give his children. That even when your body is saying something else, that even when the doctor's report is saying to you that you have a blood condition, that your heart is at peace knowing who you have, knowing the father that you have, that is on top of it. That is on top of it. Peace within, despite all the goings on in the world. In the father's love is hope. Romans 5, 5 says, now hope does not disappoint. It does not put us to shame because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. This is an assurance that he has our back regardless of that broken relationship, regardless of that lost job, regardless of the addictions, regardless of whatever it is you are dealing with. In fact, I dare say that regardless of your very comfortable situation, so you are in your right standing with God. In his love is hope. It is a confidence that I am who he says I am. That I am complete in him. That he is for me, not against me. That I am safe and secure in him. That I am his child and he loves me dearly. We might not be able to fully comprehend the depth, the height, the width, the magnitude of God's love for us but we can absolutely experience it. Paul says it so correctly in Ephesians chapter 3 from verse 17 to 19. He says, be fully capable of comprehending with all the saints, God's people, the width and length, height and depth of his love, fully experiencing that amazing endless love. 
and that you may come to know practically through personal experience that you may be filled up throughout your being to all the fullness of God so that you may have the richest experience of God's presence in your lives. Completely filled and flooded with God himself. God seeks to pour himself into us. He seeks to pour himself into us. He seeks to give us all, all of himself. But it's up to us to receive. It's up to us to accept. It's up to us to, you know, come into that embrace and be with him all the days of our lives. As we experience God more, we understand his love for us. And in turn, we grow in our love for him. We must move from a place of mental ascent to experiential living. I'm sure if I did an exercise now and passed the microphone around, almost everybody here would be able to give me one scripture about the love of God. But it's not enough to know. We need to begin to live it. We need to begin to live in it. We need to begin to enjoy it. That for every time God says that I will do, that I am available, that I will show up, that we believe it. So lastly today, I want to ask, do you recognize his voice? The Bible says that my sheep, Jesus Christ said, my sheep know my voice. My sheep know my voice. Do you recognize his voice? Do you know him? If you used to know him, that's fine. If you know him and you want to know him more, fantastic. That's what he wants. But we need to come to that place where we recognize his voice. Where the light of his love constantly shines in us. Helping us become the people that he has created us to be. The original. And not living lives that are dictated by the world. Or by our emotions. Or by our experiences. There is more in God. And he seeks to reveal it and make it known to his children. But there must be that relationship. That father-child relationship, it's so sweet. I read um, some, a post by um, Shosho where she was just talking about it. It's, it's, it's very childlike faith. That's all he wants. And as we come to him, we grow in him. But you see, when we cannot as children, my daughter is here, and if I say to her that I'm taking you out tomorrow, she holds me by it. She believes it because in her mind, I should not lie. Because I tell her not to lie. So I should practice what I preach. So how is it that when we grow, as we grow, it becomes such a struggle to just believe and accept the things that God is saying to us. And just, you know, we try to rationalize it. We try to explain it. He says in his word, 
greater works than what I did when I was on earth is what you will do. Why is that such a struggle? We need to come to that place that this becomes our reality. That his love becomes our reality. His word becomes our reality. I'm going to ask the band to just sing that song, Good, Good Father, again, and we will begin to worship as we wrap up. of that song and acknowledge that he's good he is unchanging regardless of what your current circumstances are regardless of what your situation may have been regardless of what you are coming from where you are coming from he is a good father and he loves you he loves you dearly I want us to sing with that understanding and recognize that he's seeking to pour his love out. He's seeking to overwhelm you with his love. To just wash you, wash you, wash you. Perfect He's perfect. He's a good God. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect. One seventeen says that an, un an understanding of the love of the Father through the Son that we will fully grasp and walk in the light of who he has called us, his children. That is your name. You are his child. So I want us to begin to pray now. You might want to pray in the spirit, but begin to pray that you will fully grasp and walk in the light of who he has called you his child. He has called you his child. I want us to begin to pray. I want us to begin to pray and ask for grace to understand and fully comprehend this love. To even just uh, have an understanding of it. To understand that he is your father and that you can come to him. No holds bad, no barriers. You can come to him. That sin will no longer be a, a, a factor for you staying away. That you will no longer feel unworthy. Someone needs to begin to pray this morning and receive grace to walk in the light of the love of God. Because we know who we are. He has called us his children. We are adopted as his children. He paid the ultimate price for our ransom. We are redeemed and ransomed by the precious blood of Jesus. We are his children. I am his child. And I walk in that understanding. I walk in that understanding. I walk in the light of the love of God. I walk in the light of the love of God as my father. He's my father. I am his child. And I walk in that understanding. 
That regardless of what the world says, I am God's child. Regardless of what the enemy is saying, I am God's child. Regardless of what my finances are saying, I am God's child. And I will not lack anything good. Yes, that I walk in the freedom that has been provided by the love and the light of God. In the name of Jesus. That he paid the price for it. I am yes, worth it. I am worth God's love. I am worth God's blood. I am worth the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The Bible says in the book of John, chapter 5, verse 20, that the Father seeks to show us all that He's doing. Someone needs to ask the Lord to open their eyes to see all that He's up to in your life. Because you see, when you get a glimpse, when you have an idea of what God is up to, it also helps you secure your position. You know, you are encouraged. There's a lot of hopelessness in the world today. Even Christians are beginning to be hopeless. Meanwhile, in the Father's love is hope. Because you are waiting and you are waiting and you are waiting and it just seems like it's not happening. So someone needs to ask God to open their eyes to see today. That, that he would illuminate your eyes. He would illuminate your life. That his light will shine in your life and show you what he is up to in your life. Because his word says that the father seeks to show us all that he is doing. So we need to walk in that understanding and place a demand to, you know, to, to, that our eyes will be open to see. In the name of Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask that you would show us what you are up to in our individual lives. That, Lord, it will be clear. No longer shall we be deceived. We declare in the name of Jesus that your love will trump every lie of the enemy. It will trump every negative voice. That we go today hearing your voice clearly, recognizing your voice, that we are led by you in the name of Jesus. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with the Father, in his love is life. I would love to give you the privacy of the moment to just find your way back to him. You're here and you're saying, I have missed it. I have been far from you, Lord. I want to come back to my first love. Or you don't even have a relationship with him at all. You've never had one. Today we encourage you. He's calling you. His arms are outstretched. 
ready to receive you. He's waiting and he's looking out for you. It's not a mistake that you're in church today. So I ask that you just raise your hand so we can pray with you. Just signify by raising your hand. Signify by raising your hand. He loves you. You matter a great deal to him. You are worth his love. You are absolutely worth his love. Find your way back to your father today. He's calling you. He's calling you. He's calling you. He wants to overwhelm you with his love. He wants to overwhelm you with his love. I'd like to pray with you now. Just um, say after me. Dear Father, I come to you today understanding that in you is life. In you is the peace that I desperately seek. And in you is hope. Hope for an eternal hereafter with you. Hope for a better life with you. So I ask that you take me as I am. I confess my sins before you and I receive your forgiveness in Jesus' name. And I ask that you open my eyes to see and experience you anew from today. In Jesus' name we've prayed. In Jesus' name we've prayed. Please celebrate the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.